I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands this podcast is recorded on and their elders past, present and emerging. Hi there. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Holding Space for Unicorns. My name is Alicia Payne and for years I held myself back. I suppressed my voice until one day I realised that not being me was exhausting and unfulfilling. So I decided to speak up, to stand up for what I believed in and to share my voice wholeheartedly. And this has opened doors that were not previously open and amplified the connections that matter most to me. Holding Space for Unicorns is a podcast designed to empower women in technology to find their voice so that they can realise their potential. We hold the space to share with you real, raw and authentic conversations about the unspoken so that you don't feel alone in your journey. If that sounds like something that you could use a little more of, don't hold back and let's get started. From an early standpoint, reminding girls that they're capable of doing anything that they want to do. There's no girl versus boy role. There's just nothing but opportunity out there for everyone. And I see a lot of that in the education system in Canada, and I see that in my own kids, but I can only speak to, you know, my experience here, but I do think more and more stuff is being done. I'm seeing a ton of scholarships and mentorship and stuff around women in STEM, which is incredible. And I think that one's going to help the most because it's so clear there's such a gap that a lot of companies are heavily on board to help promote, promote women in that space. One of the reasons I started this podcast was because I wanted to create a platform for kick-ass women to speak up, share their stories, and to lift each other up. Today's guest is someone who contributes to this in spades. I'm so honored to introduce Heather Bell to Holding Space for Unicorns. When you see Heather's LinkedIn profile and her bio, her experience is impressive. A strong SaaS sales individual contributor and a VP of sales, Heather is one of those women who you aspire to be. Selling into global markets, achieving President's Club every year, closing multiple six- and seven-figure deals annually. But that success didn't necessarily make her happy. Despite this crazy success, she struggled with her confidence and self-esteem as a seller, with mental health issues, alcoholism, and questioning her ability in sales. And those first and last points especially hit me hard, and I know this will resonate with a number of people in the community. She never felt like she had a system she could rely on, so she always worried, I just got lucky. Who's been there? She finally figured it out, and developed a system to work on her craft as a seller while making sure she hit her personal goals every year. And all of this while getting her life and mental health back on track. Heather's mission is to help other women get to their personal income goals so that they can live a life that makes them happy and give themselves choices outside of sales. Passionate, energetic, ambitious, yet vulnerable, Heather is one of those absolute treasures and is doing some amazing work with women in sales. I just love chatting with her and I hope you take something from our heartfelt discussion. It's my great pleasure to welcome to the conversation a lady who is doing some amazing work in an area that's very close to my heart, the lovely Heather Bell. Welcome, Heather. Thank you, Alicia. I'm so excited to be here and I really appreciate you involving me in your podcast. I'm super excited to chat today. It's my honor. Without further ado, tell us a little bit about who you are as a human being. Yeah, so that's been an evolving question for 47, almost 48 years. (laughs) I kind of identified myself through my career for a very long time. So I'll start there. I've been in tech sales for almost 30 years. Actually, I say over 25 years, but it was close to 30. I spent almost the entire adult 
version of my life in sales. I absolutely love sales. That extends to who I am as a person because it really did consume so much of my time and effort and energy. But in addition to that, I'm a mom, I'm a dog mom. I've got two teenagers. I have three dogs that I spend a lot of time with. And I've always been really close with my family. I'm based in Canada, so I spend a lot of time outside, even in the winter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's been an evolution. I think if you asked me that question when I was in my 20s, I would have had no clue how to answer who am I. Mm. But now, you know, in my 40s, it's been it's been a pretty cool adventure. I'm a recovered alcoholic as well. I've been divorced twice. Two important parts of my story because there's a lot of lessons there. So that's kind of the picture and sums it all up. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you for being uh, vulnerable with us. As I know that you are when you share on your socials, which I think is an inspiration to to others, whether or not they are experiencing similar situations in their lives. But yeah, thank you for sharing. You mentioned you're a dog mom. So uh, what types of dogs do you have? So right now I have a Rhodesian Ridgeback and he is, I tell my kids, he's my favorite child. <laughs> he's <laughs> awesome. He's a good boy. He's not really my favorite child, but you know, he's <laughs> yeah. and I have uh, two Chihuahua mixes. So mm-hmm. the four pound Chihuahua and the 110 pound Ridgeback are best buddies and she's in charge. It's pretty funny. So that's amazing. I love that. I love that. We've just moved to a new house here in Australia and dog parks are plenty everywhere. So I'm looking forward to taking my Labrador out uh, and to the beach at this time of year. So something I can absolutely relate to. What lights you up, Heather? Uh, Quite honestly, the sales does. I've always loved sales. I know that's a dorky answer, but I started in sales and retail when I was in my late teens. I don't remember exactly when. I started in technology, working for a technology company at 19 in a, in a customer service center. And I saw a sales guy, because of course it was a sales guy walk in the room and I'm like, I want to do that. I don't know <laughs> what he does, but I want to do that. So I really do love selling. I love work. What's morphed into my life in recent years that really surprised me because I did not see this coming. I'm really passionate about helping women, supporting women, working with women that want to hit really lofty career goals and in sales and financial goals, but might have some struggles like confidence or imposter syndrome or that kind of thing in their way. That is everything right now. I love being a mom too, you know, on the personal side of things. I'm very much an introvert. I love talking to strangers. I love talking to people, but when it's time to recharge, I thoroughly enjoy walking in the woods with the dog. So yeah, that kind of sums it all up. I live a pretty quiet life these days and I really love it. Oh, well, two things really highlighted for me when you thought you just shared was the, you know, at a young age, uh, working in retail and getting that enthusiasm for sales was the same for me. And that's how I actually ended up. Well, I didn't work in tech sales, but I certainly ended up where I am today as a result of some conversations and getting that buzz from interacting with people and, and solving problems for them. So that's really significant. And the other thing for me was what you shared about being an introvert. It is amazing how many people I speak to and how many people I've witnessed in my own career who are introverts, who are absolutely kick-ass at what they do and often the best sellers because they have that ability to kind of sit back and read the room and speak up when it really is time rather than sit there and talk and talk and, and make themselves the center of that conversation, really making the customer or you know, the person on the other side, the center of that world and observing and listening and, and going, Oh, okay. 
that's important and let me concentrate on that and let's see if we can take the conversation further in that way rather than lots of fluff I guess <laughs> yeah and I, I know for me I saw I was surrounded by men who were extroverts and for such a long time even though my numbers were better than they were I was mm-hmm. a top performer and I was doing the thing and I still had in my head that to do the thing I had to be a guy that was really loud in the middle of the room and that's not the case. Introverts are usually great listeners and so are women, right? So those are two really, or that is one really important quality when you're working through a sales process. So yeah, it kind of caught me off guard. I used to call myself an extroverted introvert because it felt like a failure to say I was an introvert in sales, but I'm so much more comfortable in my skin at this point in my life. And I'm like, nope, I'm an introvert. I, I do get tired of talking to people. I get after a day of working on LinkedIn, I need to just sit and not talk to people for a little while. Like it's just who I am. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to spend a bit of time later on in the chat talking about, you know, what you're doing on LinkedIn. But before we get to that point, what did young Heather want to be when she grew up? A veterinarian until my dad, you know, reminded me that included working with things other than dogs and sick animals. So I changed my mind. I wanted to be a lawyer, which Actually, I still wish I had have done that, but I worked with so many lawyers in corporate and I worked through so many contracts and different things. So I think I got a good taste of that. But yeah, those were the two, the two biggies. Fantastic. Definitely can relate to the vet. My son actually has told me more recently, I want to be a vet because I want to look after sick animals. I'm like, that's great. But do you really know what's involved? I think there might be a few more conversations to that end. (laughs) Yeah, I I know. Like I'm really squeamish. And unfortunately, so are my kids because I I have so many dogs. Usually I'm like, can't one of you be a vet? (laughs) Just can't work. But no, it was, I don't think it was in the cards. I think having a lot of dogs, I will eventually do more work with rescues, but I have fostered and stuff in the past. So I think that was probably a better avenue than getting into the sciences (laughs) and the blood and not for me. (laughs) I love that. So share with us, and you've kind of started to share, but share with us how you ended up working in tech and why you're still there today. Yeah. So I was in university and I don't know what happened. I got it in my head. I wanted to go work for a tech company. So this was a long time ago now. So at the time that meant I went from tech company to tech company and dropped off resumes and I applied online was like starting to bubble with applications and stuff. So I did that as well. And I had a recruiter call from from within a company that they were opening this customer service center and they needed to do a pretty significant amount of hires and they were doing most of them on contracts and the pay was obscenely low. And I don't think many, there were many takers, but I thought this was a dream come true. So we actually played phone tag for six months. I called this woman, I won't say every day, but multiple times a week trying to get connected with her. And I think she saw the persistence and some phone demeanor that she liked. And I eventually started working in there. And then, you know, I mentioned seeing the sales guy and wanting to be in sales. I think from as far as longevity in tech, I love technology. I really do. I love tech sales. I, I was in cybersecurity for a long time and that moves so fast. It's so interesting. Now I'm working with women in tech sales. So I feel like that extension keeps me in tech and keeps me connected. And I'm taught, you know, we do a lot of deal reviews or we'll 
talk about what's going on in their world or we'll be working through their sales cadences, that kind of thing. So I'm still pretty heavily involved with tech companies. I love it. It's such a fast pace. It's so interesting what these companies are doing and it's just an exciting business to be in. So I think I'll always be connected in some way, shape or form to tech. Yeah. That's awesome. I wanted to take a little step sideways. We talked about this at the beginning of our chat. I don't usually do this, but given what you do, are you happy to share with us a little bit more about what you're currently doing, how you're currently working with women in tech? I think that would really help shape the conversation. Yes, absolutely. So in the past couple of years, I knew I wanted to do something around working with women and a coaching business. And I really didn't know how to transition from being a VP of sales to an entrepreneur because it is walking away from a career I spent a really long time building up and success in a role that I had really wanted. And I had to kind of come to terms with the fact that I wasn't happy and I didn't like it. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And I was laid off at the beginning of 2023 and it was a gift with timing, quite frankly, because it was, it was hand delivered, you know, here you go. You want to start your own company this is the time to do it. So now I work with women in technology sales, AEs in particular, that want to make a really monumental shift in their career. So they want to make a lot more money. Usually they want to brush up on their craft of sales, but there's something in between them and that happening. And that can be confidence, imposter syndrome, certain sales skills. Sometimes it comes down to just not having the right system in place to do that. Mm -hmm. So I work by providing courses and coaching and get these amazing ladies that I work with to some pretty significant financial goals. Wow. And from what I can see already with some of your testimonials and and some of the feedback that you've been getting that you share widely, uh, you're already making an impact. I think what you're doing is is just so important and We've had some conversations prior to this chat where certainly I think it's it's so needed. So uh, kudos to you for, for kicking this off and so excited to see, you know, where you are in a year, two years and, and the impact that you're making for women in not only Canada, the US, but globally as well. I know that it's far reaching these days with the work that you do on LinkedIn. Thank you. You know, I didn't see this coming. (laughs) I did not. I prided myself on being one of the boys and I worked with all men and I was comfortable with that. And I don't know when the shift happened. I think it started when I started hiring women on my team or looking to support women on the teams that I was managing and seeing a lot of the things that I struggled with, they were struggling with too. And things had changed and there weren't female mentors out there. So I think that was what really prompted it. But at this point, I work with really small groups of women and they will all attest to the fact my philosophy is we don't stop working together until you hit your goal. So I, you know, we get really involved in working together and seeing their success is incredible. It's like nothing that has ever happened in sales. No multi-million dollar deal has brought this on because I see the conversation where we start and they're just so down. Sometimes they're on a pip, you know, they're just, just in a not great place and they just need a little help, a little guidance and support. And there's a community factor to what I do. And that just seems to blow things out of the water pretty quickly. And it's so amazing to watch these women succeed. Oh yeah. Community. It's just something I think that women thrive on as well. So that's, I think that's central to one of my values. So love to hear how it all goes as as time goes on. (laughs) So again, like, I feel like all of these questions specifically for you today are very much intertwined, but how has being a woman in tech shaped your work experience? 
That is such a good question. (laughs) I think that I got really tough. It always bothered me that that was a component that had to happen, or I felt like for me it had to happen because it, I don't feel like that's necessary. It shouldn't be a component of success, but I've worked for a variety of different men, mostly, and some women that weren't great. I've worked for bosses that were amazing. I've worked for leadership teams that were incredible. I've also worked for some really, really harsh ones. And I remember leaving one job and knowing there is no one on this planet I would be afraid to stand up in front of. And that's a great skill to have. And that's very powerful. But the way I got there was not great. So I think that was one of the biggest things that happened. Like, you know, I've been through some life things that brought on some toughness too. I've been Mm -hmm. divorced twice. I am a recovered alcoholic. So been through some hard times that I developed strength through, but I, I don't think that's a necessary path. And that's one of the reasons I coach the way I coach and I work with women the way I work with, because that shouldn't be a necessary thing for success. But that was certainly something that I got out of working in tech. Oh, yes, so much, so much there. I remember oh, maybe like six years ago having a conversation and I think it was something somewhere along the lines of, I'm a big girl, I can handle it. And a kind of conversation. And like, I was, I put on this really tough exterior and inside I was just like, oh, like I just, I, I, I sort of can walk out of the room and, and maybe have a moment to myself to just process what the conversation had just been. But I'm like, you don't actually need to be that way. There are other ways of engaging and getting your point across. And it doesn't need to be this, this toughness all of the time. It's, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. It, I remember I, when I was much earlier in my career, I won't go into the details of what happened, but it was along the lines of being bullied by a VP of sales. And he called me into his office and I started crying and I was sobbing and I was mortified. I was so embarrassed and I was embarrassed. My peers saw me come out of his office and I was just crushed. And then later on in my career, like now I think back, of course, that was my reaction. He was completely in the wrong and he shouldn't have been in that scenario. So it was completely human that I reacted like that. It totally okay. And should have been a sign that I was somewhere that I didn't want to be. So, you know, I think a lot of times, especially as women, we take it on ourselves that we're in the wrong and we did the wrong thing. And that's not always the case. It's okay to be an emotional human being sometimes. Like that is, that is being human. That's okay. So yeah, that was definitely a lesson for me along the way. Oh, thank you for that. What role have mentors or coaches played in your personal journey? Uh, someone asked me this this week, and unfortunately, a really small role in it, and that's changing for me as an entrepreneur. I am looking for help wherever I can get it because in my personal life up until now, take a course for everything because, you know, I'm the person that buys a TV and reads the instruction book just because I don't have the patience to waste time on unnecessary <laughs> issues or mistakes, right? Yeah. So what I didn't see though, when I was earlier in my career in sales and really could have used the support was courses like you see now. There's so many mm-hmm. people that are doing side hustles and they're entrepreneurs and there's so much coaching out there. I think it's really easy to find. And I feel like what I was able to find earlier in my career was more geared towards coaching companies that were for the company, not for the individual. So I remember I really struggled with presenting skills for a long time and public speaking skills. And I remember looking for courses for both of those things and I couldn't find them anywhere. So I wish I could say that they played a big, important part 
they didn't. And I am very grateful that that's not the situation most people are in now. And moving forward, it will be major. What was significant for me, though, is that I was never able to find a female mentor or I never had a mentor, but I definitely couldn't find a woman to mentor me, especially as I moved up in my career. And that's partly why I do what I do, because a lot of women that I talk to are still in that same scenario, right? 13% of vice presidents in sales are women. So of course, it's hard to find a woman in a senior position to mentor. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, and you've kind of already given me an answer, but like, why is it so difficult? And I mean, not only to find a woman, but even to find another mentor, like whether that be an amazing male who who you look up to, like, is there a specific reason? I think that it's hard as an individual to go to someone and say, because that person might not know how to mentor and it, it doesn't have to be complicated or difficult. So I think there's that. I also think companies... Only the big ones seem to have a really formal mentorship program, and that's really important. And I think that also what we said, it's hard to find someone that you might feel like you identify with in a company if you don't align with who's in that company. So if you're a woman in sales, you're a person of color in sales, and you're not seeing that in leadership, you might not be seeing people the version of someone that you want to have mentor you. I think if you want to find one, I wish I had to put more work into it myself. I wish I had of picked someone and just gone out and asked them. But I know um, I've seen stories on LinkedIn where people decide they want someone pretty prolific to be their mentor and they really go out of their way to pursue that relationship. So I think there are avenues. It just might take a little work. I think, you know, it's also about identifying that person and the skill that you want to grow in. You know, I was thinking, you know, about a mentoring relationship that, that maybe could have gone better than I anticipated because I wasn't as prepared, right? You know, I still got something out of that, but you need to bring, you need to figure out what you, you want from that relationship. And when you're asking that person, let them know, but then also be prepared to bring like bring something to the conversation as well. So if you're catching up on a regular basis, okay, well, this is what I want to cover off today. Send an email, go, these are the three points that I want to talk about when we catch up. Or it it might be something different, but knowing that it's a two-way street as well and that it's so important to have that preparation. It might evolve over time as you start engaging with that person and realize actually they have something more to offer in a particular area or they have an experience that you identify with that you're like, oh, wow. Um, and, and there's a mirror as well for you where you go, oh, okay, that's me. Maybe we need to go a bit deeper here. So I think it's 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 really important to have that in mind when you're approaching that person, whoever that may be, whether it's someone really prolific or it's someone that's achieving great success in your organization. And you're like, I want to be there too. How do I get there? Yeah, that's amazing input because I know for me, learning to have planned action always, learning to look for a goal in every conversation, in every meeting. I don't know that I would have thought through that in looking for a mentor. So that's really good input. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have either, but it's just through learning, I think, as well. <laughs> <laughs> what excites you, Heather, about the future of technology in the industry as a whole? I think, I hate to say this because I know we've all heard too much of this this year, but AI, all Mm -hmm. the companies that are coming out from all of the advancements in AI, I'm super excited to see what Microsoft does from getting so much staff from OpenAI. Oh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) I think this is, tech is always super cool and super fast moving, like I said. I think 
from a sales perspective, what I'm really interested to see is what goes on this year for sellers. So my prediction mm. LinkedIn is going to become monumentally important for sellers because everybody's getting the same emails. Everybody's setting up their system so that as a seller, you can't get through to them, right? There's a lot of roadblocks between that cold call and the person you're trying to talk to or those emails and getting through to who you need to get through to. I'm not saying you can't do that, but I think when you do that after a successful LinkedIn campaign, your your success rates go up. So I'm really intrigued to see how sellers and companies handle that because it's going to get really important to learn to social sell. Oh, absolutely. We talked at the beginning of the call. I've just recently finished up with with the company I was working with. But one of the things that was happening when I finished was pretty much along the lines of what Google and Yahoo were doing and no more cold emailing. Well, there's not, it's not that there's no more cold emailing, but no more spray and pray. So certainly LinkedIn is going to be huge. And so people having the skills to be able to engage with people and not just the connect and then hey I see that you do this can we have a chat or can we book in a meeting like how do you actually engage with people how do you understand and show them that you know them as well and that you may have a solution for the problem that they're looking to solve so yeah I am so intrigued to see how 2024 goes with those new changes coming for sellers out there but for the people that are excited to jump on the phones or excited to try new things on LinkedIn or power to them. Can't wait. Yeah. Same. I know for me getting on LinkedIn was really hard because I am very private. I am not, I do not post on Instagram. It might be the odd dog picture like every six months at this point, but (laughs) not on Facebook other than for communities that I participate in or host. But LinkedIn for me, it became very apparent really, really quickly that I was going to have to develop a presence on LinkedIn and develop a sales strategy for LinkedIn. And it's just so different because you can't go out and sell on LinkedIn. I mean, you can, and you'll have moderate success, minor success, but you really have to craft a philosophy on along the lines of networking. So the good news is when you figure that out, it's super powerful. Until then, it's just kind of overwhelming. So I'm actually working on a course right now that's a few hours of work for sellers that want to, to get everything in order to sell on LinkedIn. And I think one of the most important messages I'm trying to convey in that course is you do not have to have 10,000 followers, 100,000 followers. I'm 9X'd my business with a LinkedIn strategy with 800 followers that I'd had for <laughs> 10 years probably, right? It's not about being an influencer. You don't have to post like you see the sales influencers post, or you don't have to post in a way that you're seeing other people do that, that are trying to drive followers. You can do it in a more intelligent way. I think too, Heather, and I know that I've seen you post about this and I, you know, I know that you mentioned that you know, it was challenging at first. It's hard to get a little bit vulnerable on LinkedIn. It's hard to put yourself out there. When I started posting on LinkedIn, and I'm not a prolific poster, uh, I feel like I post when I get inspired and it's not necessarily about you know, what I'm, the company that I work for, what I'm selling, it's more just about my experiences. But I was so scared about what the companies that I worked for would think about what I was posting in my business network. And I was so surprised, like with a lot of, I guess, like pleasantly surprised is what I'm looking for. I was so surprised with the feedback that I got and the engagement that I got and the, the hands up and saying, oh, this is my experience. Or, wow, I, I didn't know that about you. Or, 
congratulations for sharing that. And then, you know, things sort of develop organically as you are authentically yourself in your business. It's true. So for me, when I started LinkedIn, it was immediately followed, like the first five days of posting was immediately followed by a meltdown and <laughs> and like just a complete like episode because it feels very vulnerable. So totally. I know for me as an employee, it felt extremely difficult because I didn't know what my employer was going to say. I do think employers are starting to clue in that the best way to present your company is through your employees. And I think that one of the things I recommend in the course is go talk to your marketing department, talk to your HR department and talk to your boss and just ask them, you know, what is okay and what isn't okay and get your boundaries, figure out what you do and then be a person, show up as a person. And you don't have to share really private things. And especially as a seller, you want to share some interesting things that will resonate with your clients. And some of that is showing up as a person, right? And I know one of the best ways to do that is through your dog or your cat or your kids. I know connection points where other humans have the same experience or stuff like that that you can do. But companies seem to be coming around because what marketing departments aren't doing independently, aren't doing successfully independently is promote company pages, right? Like LinkedIn doesn't feature that stuff. They don't want to see that stuff. You don't see that in your feed very much. Ads aren't, they're okay. I don't have a lot of data on the metrics on those, but what is working is when a sales team starts showing up on LinkedIn and starts posting successfully, that is worth its weight in gold for a company. So companies are starting to make it a little more accessible and a little more open for employees. Yeah. Oh, so exciting to to see this finally happening too. Like, I feel like I've been on LinkedIn forever and a day and I feel like in the last few years, it's it's finally working in the way maybe not in which they anticipated it it would initially, but um, yeah, it's really, really exciting. It is. And I know for me, like I have around 3000 followers right now, I think it I'm connected with those, mostly women in sales. That's who I I connect with a lot, but I know who they are. I know where they work. I see their posts regularly. I feel really confident and comfortable reaching out to them and mentioning when I have a cohort coming up, that kind of thing, because we actually have a relationship that's building. As opposed to a year ago, if in my corporate job, I hadn't touched LinkedIn. Someone sent me a message on LinkedIn and I saw it two months later because I was so removed from engaging. It just wasn't part of my cycles. And now I see the power of it and it is insane in such a good way to like, you really do get to know people and connect with people. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Looking forward to doing much more of that myself. What legacy do you want to leave for women in technology? I hope a badass attitude. <laughs> I, I, really, <laughs> I really hope I, I fire women up because we are statistically proven to be better at sales. And I will say I, I'm very much geared towards a legacy in sales and tech, but we're really good at this. And you do not have to fit the mold of, of what we think of as a successful seller, which is, in my mind, the guy in the tailored suit who's the loudest guy in the room standing in front of a bunch of clients and talking really loudly. And it is not what you think it, and it comes down to getting really good at what you do and being really systematic in how you do that and building confidence as a skill. Confidence is not a quality. Confidence is a skill and it's something you can over time. And I know for me, it what I had top numbers, my entire sales career, 
my confidence kicked in when I saw in myself that I was really good at what I did because I'd built up the skills to do what I did, right? And the things that were hard for me, I got good at them. So I hope I encourage women to do that. I hope women can see that, you know, having a baby when you're in sales doesn't ruin your career. And yes, it's hard to be a mom <sighs> when you're in sales. And it's hard, really hard to be a single mom when you're in sales. But I became a VP when I was a single mom. I figured it out, right? Like you can do whatever you want to do. You just have to be thoughtful about how you do it. Bring in the right help to support you. Do that, whether that's at home, whether that's help through coaching, whether that's help with family, you know, whatever it is, you're not going to do it by yourself. You're going to need support from people and don't be shy to go after it. Go after it, put the work in, go after it and be feisty about it. (laughs) So I hope that's, the impression I leave with women, especially, and I hope that's something I can leave a group of women that feel like I help them do that. Well, I love that. The asking for help is a common thread and something I know I have struggled with personally, but as a single mother in technology, I think that this is, is something that's key, asking for help you know, professionally. So finding that mentor, or if it's delegating, like that's something I always had trouble with. I still have trouble <laughs> with like taking a few tasks off your plate like do that or you know you know we've talked about this especially on LinkedIn you're finding a nanny to help in the mornings to help so that you can have that time to journal to go for a walk to listen to a podcast to have a cup of coffee in case before you start your day so the asking for help and accepting the help when it is offered to you is key so true. I, my nature, I don't like asking for help. I don't like people helping me. And I like to come out of something and point and be like, I did that by myself. And I don't think that's something to be proud of. <laughs> I think it's so much smarter when you find the right people. When you posted that about hiring a nanny in the morning, I'm like, why did I not do that? That is brilliant. Cause my mornings are ex- not so much now there are teenagers, but when they yeah. were excruciating some yeah. mornings, I had calls. I was working in an international territory. So I'd start my day on calls at 4 a.m. And then I'm trying to get these two kids out the door and, you know, Canadian winter, I'm trying to get them in their snowsuits and get them to daycare. (laughs) It was crazy. And just hiring some help that I easily could have cut out a couple dinners out or, you know, something else and made financial room for that would have been so much smarter. I tell you what, Heather, when I finally did that for myself, it was two hours a morning, four days a week. That was it. And, you know, she's a very, she's part of our family now, but it was initially really hard. I tell people and I'd start to cry like I've hired a nanny in, but once I did that and once I put my hand up and said, I, I need this for me, so many incredible shifts happened in my life. And so that is one of the biggest pieces of wisdom that I can share from this year. Is, is, so incredible. It's just accepting that you need some help, going after it and watching your life change. Amazing. I know like a version of that for me lately is I feel like an Uber driver with teenagers. I'm <laughs> And every once in a while I start to get that panicky feeling because I'm trying to make calls fit and courses fit and things fit and my son wants to go to the gym with his friends. And I'm like, you know what? He's 17. He can take an Uber back. Like this is not the end of the world. This is a normal thing. I do not need to be responsible for every moment of every day of everything. Cause I can't, I actually ended up in the emergency room recently at a two week migraine and I get migraines a lot, like a lot, a lot. I didn't realize how much this year and this one, my stress as an entrepreneur, you know, it is really tough trying to 
build a business and do all the things you need to do. And hence the hiring coaches. <laughs> I completely fell apart. I had, was in an unbelievable amount of pain and I was useless for two weeks and I realized it was stress driven. I was like, okay, this, this is not okay. Like this is no way to live. And I didn't leave the tech world to be more stressed. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So time to, time to sort this out. So yeah, it's really important because I found at this point in my life, I've seen enough times when you don't take care of yourself, it shows up in, in some way you don't want it to in some you know, uncomfortable way in some way that compromises your health and it's not worth it. You have to take care of yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Taking care of number one. (laughs) What do you believe is the biggest challenge for women in technology today? And with that, how would you love to solve it? So I think being a woman in tech is tough because of the numbers. There's just less women than men in tech. And I think conversations like this one help. I think solving it means more encouragement, more education, more support from companies, more people talking about what actually goes on. I'm seeing a lot of this happen. I'm seeing a lot of companies that will cover the course I provide for the women in their organization because they recognize they're like, you know what, you're one of two women on a team of 20 or 10 and what you need might be different than what we can provide to you. We're going to support you with this. And it's actually been pretty mind-blowing and impressive and amazing because it's true. They need support. And sometimes a lot of that support comes from being in a community of women in a like situation, right? So I think more of that is going to help. I think also from an early standpoint, reminding girls that they're capable of doing anything that they want to do. There's no girl versus boy role. There's just nothing but opportunity out there for everyone. And I see a lot of that in the education system in Canada. And I see that in my own kids, but I can only speak to, you know, my experience here, but I do think more and more stuff is being done. I'm seeing a ton of scholarships and mentorship and stuff around women in STEM, which is incredible. And I think that one's going to help the most because it's so clear there's such a gap that a lot of companies are heavily on board to help promote, promote women in that space. I think too, as a woman who's come back into the industry twice now after having uh, parental leave, things change too when you're on parental leave and like the the skills that you acquire as a new parent, it just brings, you bring so much more to the table. So whether or not you change careers and maybe go into a different field and like there's so many women out there that could bring so much to to the world of tech, whether that's in sales, whether that's in, you know, in engineering, a development role, things like that. And so I think the more that we promote that and are more explicit about what you said about what actually goes on too, the better in, in a number of different ways. Yeah, I definitely am seeing more of it and it's really exciting. I speak to a lot of women's groups at different companies because anytime anyone mentions they have one, I offer because I love doing it. And it's really cool how companies even in that way are trying to help and support. And companies are doing lots of not great stuff this year and they're getting a bad rap. And I totally understand that, but there are some really good organizations out there that are trying really hard to support women in their workplace. Yeah, I'd love to see that. It's it's wonderful and, and heartening to see. Last question for you, Heather. So if you met young Heather today, what would you want to say to her? Yeah, this one always 
throws me for a loop because <laughs> I want to give her a big hug and tell her well, to just calm down a little <laughs> and, you know, down. take the pressure down. I still am very intense about goals. I was always really, really driven and obsessively focused on because I was in sales hitting 200% of my number. That was always my goal. And I think that I brought on a lot of extra pressure and duress on myself that I didn't necessarily need to do. I think I could have learned the lesson that not every year needs to be the absolute killer year of your sales career. I always had to be number one. It was just grind if I wasn't. And I think that if I could have found a more balanced approach to that, you know, I don't know that I ever would have been comfortable not wanting to be the top, but at the same time, understanding that there were costs that might not be worth it in that pursuit. And also, I think since COVID, I've started delving into hobbies and I've started doing things like I walk my dogs in the woods at lunch almost every day and I love it. And it's two hours. And as an entrepreneur, every hour has a specific dollar amount attached to it. And I still take that time and will no matter what, because it's just so healthy and I'm so happy doing that. So I think involving a better work-life balance, I would have done a lot of favors for me. It would have been handy to avoid a drinking problem, but you know, that has taught me so many things and sobriety is something I have, I'm so passionate about and it's been such a blessing in my life. So that I would take that experience away from myself, but maybe it would have been nice to hit, not hit quite so many bumps along the way. So I think I'd Try to coax her, you know, maybe, maybe sobriety school before. <laughs> I heard there it's often the bumps along the way, or it is the bumps along the way that make us who we are, right? And the, the life lessons and, and then the teachers, right? Because you, you talked about the, the two hours, which just sound magical. And really at the end of the day, because you, you're your own boss, I know that that impacts you, but think about what you get back. It's true. Uh, We go for a hike in the woods and it's by the river and it's even more beautiful in the winter. And I just, I feel happy when I'm there. And it's funny because usually when I go, something good happens in my inbox when I'm done. So it's hilarious because it's like something great happens or, or I'll have an epiphany that I never would have had hunched over my computer, you know, freaking out, going, trying to make sure I had all my stuff done. And I talked to enough people and my numbers were there where they needed to be because you still do all that as an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's really incredible. And the migraine thing I described reminded me that I, I can't work 18 hours a day. It's just doesn't mm, work. Possible. I can't do it. And it's not it's not a healthy path. So yeah, it's, it's very worthwhile taking that time. Mm. Good for you. Good for you. Well, Heather, I've had such a wonderful, wonderful 45 minutes chatting with you. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I'm really looking forward to sharing this with the world because I think that you've given us so many, so many insights and things to take away and reflect upon. Thank you for being a part of this. Well, thank you for letting me participate. This has been incredible. I love chatting with you, Alicia. And if you know, my thought process with everything I do this year is to just really try to be valuable and helpful and open so people know it's not just them going through something. So yeah. hopefully, you know, hopefully this does that for someone. Yeah, this is what the really the entire purpose of the podcast. So yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Heather. Thanks so much for joining me for today's episode of Holding Space for Unicorns. Reviews are so important for empowering more amazing women to find their voice. 
I'd love if you could take a moment to leave a review and a rating on your preferred podcast listening platform. If there was something that resonated from this conversation, please take a screenshot and share your thoughts with a friend you feel might need to hear this message or drop your thoughts on your preferred social media platform and tag me in it. I'd love to see it. You'll find me at Holding Space for Unicorns on Instagram or I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Until next episode, don't hold back.